Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. When I was a, a little boy, my mom and dad would always ask me this question. Luke, what do you want to be when you grow up? They were asking me to, to dream about a place I had not yet arrived at. You know, oftentimes parents, when they ask their kids that question, they love to hear their kids say, well, I want to be a doctor, or I want to be a lawyer or an engineer. Uh, it's very rare for a parent to hear a child say, to be happy when a child says, when I grow up, I want to be a junior high school graduate. You'd probably tell your child, oh, I need to dream a little bigger than that. Just having the ability to read and write does not give you what you need to maximize your potential on this earth. In Major League Baseball, our manager, Tori Lavello, manager of the Diamondbacks, when he met at spring training, he told the players, the dream is the World Series, to win the World Series. And they went to the World Series and got smashed, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> if it's basketball, the coach would say the dream is to win the, the NBA championship. If it's football, they'd say the dream is to win the Super Bowl. In other words, they're being told, I want you to think bigger than just making the team or, or making the playoffs. We want you to dream about winning the big game. We want you to go for it. We want you to dream big. It's unfortunate that we will often do in the career realm, the financial realm, the educational realm, what we are unwilling to do in the spiritual realm. And that's go for it. We'll give great time and sacrifice and focus to making more money or maybe get a little title next to our name so we can gain lift and an elevation in the eyes of this world's value system, but often at the cost of dreaming big spiritually. My goal today is to get you and me and us to dream big for God. Because the truth is, far too many of us have settled as Christians. It's good enough that we go to church or maybe carry a Bible while remaining in spiritual mediocrity, never arriving fully at God desires, at what he desires to do in and through our lives because we failed to dream big spiritually. This is why Jesus told his followers in Matthew chapter 6, he said, seek first God's kingdom and the stuff will come second. In other words, he says, Seek my kingdom first. Seek me first. Prioritize me first and the stuff second. What we do oftentimes as humans is reverse the order. We think of stuff first and then whenever we, wherever we can fit him in, well, he's just lucky to come along for the ride, you know? Now, Jesus is not saying that these other areas of life are, are not important. They're very important. you got to have a house. you got to have a great job. God wants to bless our lives with things that uh, even money can't even buy. But he says, that stuff comes second, I come first. It's not that it's not legitimate stuff, it's just not first. It's the result of what comes first in our life. 
So if I were to ask you today, what is your big spiritual dream? Not talking about your career, not talking about the stuff. Again, nothing wrong with stuff. We should never apologize for God blessing our life. Amen. But if I were to ask you, what is your big dream for God? What would you say? Have you thought about it? Or would you say, well, Luke, I don't dream in that category. I only dream in the context of what I want God to do in my life or, you know, in, 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 my, in my finances. I don't dream spiritually for God. Look, just as we want our kids to think big and dream big, God wants you and I, his church, you and I, his kids, to think, think and, big, and dream big spiritually. <clears throat> so there's a great story about dreaming bigger I want to share with you here today. It comes from 2 Kings <clears throat> chapter 13. I've been singing way too loud today. I'm losing my voice already. I got one more, one more service after this. Listen to what it says in verse 14. I want you to hold on to this story. I think this will become one of your favorite stories in all the Bible. When Elisha became sick with the illness of which he was about to die, Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over him and said, My father, my father. So the king of Israel, Joash, this is what's happening. He goes to Elisha, this prophet, this man of God, and he says, We are in big, big trouble. He says, Aram has risen up, and their intent is to wipe the Jews off the face of the earth. They they want genocide. And we are outmanned, outflanked, outgunned. There's no way for us out of this situation. We are going to die. I wonder if anyone here today has an Aram in your life. A problem that's risen up in your life, and you're not sure if you're going to make it through this one. Because it looms too large in your life. By the way, one of the reasons why God allows us to face things in our life that are too big for us is to put us in our place. Come on, somebody. To let us know that you're not all that on your own. Because without me in your life, if I let this thing have its way with you, it will do you in. Joash recognizes that Aram is too tough to handle. He's too hot to trot. So he goes to Elisha and says, my father, my father. He's like a toddler running to his parents. He's saying, Elisha, right now you are my daddy because I'm out of answers. He realizes that his own personal might, power, strength, connections, wealth cannot fix this problem. It's too big. It looms too large. So he recognizes the need for the spiritual if he's going to successfully address the physical. Did you catch that? He recognized the need for the spiritual if he's going to address the physical. Now, why does Joash go to Elisha? He knew something about Elisha. He knew Elisha had a double portion of God's anointing and God's power. You see, Elisha had a mentor named Elijah. And when Elisha saw Elijah Elijah about ready to go up to heaven, he said, I saw what God did in your life, Elijah, and I want some of what you had. Ever know somebody who's so close to God, they put God first, and you say, man, I want some of what they have. Elisha says, I not only want some of that, I want twice as much as Elijah had. Oh, man, Elisha knew how to dream big spiritually. 
He didn't just want what he saw. He wanted more than what he saw. So when you read the life of Elisha, you see him doing twice as much as Elijah did because God was happy to find a man or a woman who wanted more of him. He was happy to give more of him. Oh, by the way, God will only give you as much of him as you can handle. We had a one time in our dream conference, we had 5,000 pastors there, and we decided to have an old-fashioned blessing line. So we had all of our staff members line up in two lines, and all these pastors were going to pass through this line, and we were going to anoint them with oil and just say, bless you, bless you, bless you, 5,000 pastors. Well, toward the end, there was a young man there from Australia. He had long, dark hair, and when he came through the line, my dad anointed him with oil, and he stopped and said, I want more. So my dad dipped his hand in the bucket, and he anointed him a second time. He said, no, I want more. So my dad dipped his hand a third time and anointed him a third time. He said, I want more. And it kind of bugged my dad. And he took the whole bucket and poured it over his head. He's got oil running down all over, ruined his clothes, running all over the carpets, you know. And uh, it dawned on me that, you know, a lot of times we say, I want more of God. But God's not about to waste himself on someone who doesn't want it. He's not going to let himself just run all over you and onto the ground. He wants to know that your container can contain his glory. Amen. Right? So, Joash says in verse 14, my father, my father. Then he says this. This is a great statement. The chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Now, what does that mean? Well, to understand what he's saying is you have to go back to uh, seven chapters of 2 Kings chapter 6 where it's a similar story. Aram, once again, is trying to kill Elisha and his servant. And so thousands of soldiers are coming over the hillside, and they're converging on Elisha's house. And the servant looks out and says, we're dead. There's no way out of this situation. And I love what Elisha says in verse 17. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God opened the servant's spiritual eyes, and he could see horses and chariots on fire, daring the Syrians to come near that house. So the reason why Joash went to Elisha is he knew that Elisha had spiritual eyesight. He knew that Elisha could see in the invisible to deal with the visible. He could see in the spiritual to deal with the natural. Okay? One of the reasons why perhaps we're not dreaming big for God is because all we see is what we see. And if all you see is what you see, you're not seeing all there is to be seen. Until you become a person, or at least hang out with some folks here at Awaken Church who can see stuff in the spiritual so the physical can be addressed, you will always be limited to the, to the finite natural because all you're seeing is what you see. And if all you see in this world is what you see, you're not seeing all there is to be seen. It's like if you go into a 3D movie theater 
If you walk in, it's vague. It's, it's unclear. It, it's fuzzy. You're not seeing all there is to be seen because of the, of the nature of the way the movie was made. So they give you 3D glasses so you're able to see what you couldn't see without those glasses. Joash says, King Joash says, look, I need some glasses. And since I have not been to the optometrist or the ophthalmologist, Elisha, tell me what you see. I need some help with this problem that is beyond my human resources. I need, I need someone who can see heaven to bring some chariots and horses on fire to deal with this very physical earthly problem. Until we realize that the spiritual must precede the physical, until we live with that, friends, not just as an event on Sundays or Wednesdays, but as a way of life, how we roll in life, then we will always be limited to what we can see. And again, if all you see is what you see, you're not seeing all there is to be seen. So King Joash says to Elisha, what am I to do? Now, I love this. This story gets really good. Verse 15, Elisha said to him, take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. These are weapons of war. They're not spiritual. They're just natural weapons of war. You have natural things every day in your business, in your home, natural things. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on it. Then Elisha, the man of God, laid his hands on the king's hands. Got the picture? This is called sharing the anointing. You may not have what you need, but you know someone who does. That's why you need a small group here at the church. Come on, somebody. That's why you need relationships in the church. Elisha spiritually wraps the anointing of God around Joash's hands physically over a natural weapon of war. Look at verse 17. He said, open the window toward the east. Why the east? Because that's where Aram is coming from. They're coming from the east. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. Okay, what's going on here? Elisha tells King Joash, look, you came to me running from Aram because you said they're too big. They're too strong. They're going to overwhelm you. But we are going to flip this script. We are moving from defense to offense. They're coming at you. We're firing a weapon back at them. Remember when David faced Goliath? It says that he ran toward Goliath while King Saul and the soldiers ran away from Goliath. Why? Because David knew that God was inserted into the equation. And he moved from defense to offense. When my little girl, Annalise, she was about five, six years old, she loved to read. So one day I took her to Barnes & Noble and we bought her a new book and we were leaving and there was a little half wall outside the store and she jumped up on the wall. She's just happy-go-lucky, you know, in a different world. She's just walking on the wall, you know, flinging her hands like this, you know. And uh, while she's walking, there was a guy, a man at the end who was locking up his bike and she wasn't paying attention. She accidentally flung her hand and caught his glasses and knocked his glasses off his face this guy freaks out on this five-year-old girl. He's powering up on her. And I'm watching all this from about 30 yards away. And she's a <laughs> So I walk over and I pick her up. I say, what's wrong with you? She's a little girl. She made a mistake. And we're having this little banter back and forth. And while we're, you know, arguing back and forth, I turn and look at Anna Lee. And she's going like this, facing the guy. 
thought, man, what changed? You were scared to death just 10 seconds ago. What changed was that her daddy now entered the equation. Now she saw her problem completely different. It changed everything. She went from defense to offense. Why? Because big daddy arrived on the scene. Amen. That's why the apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6, when the enemy comes at you, stand your ground. Stand firm. Don't run. Why? Because you're no longer playing defense. If God is in the equation. The reason why the devil is controlling certain Christians' lives is because they either have no view of God or because their view of God is so small that they may as well not even have it in the first place. Look at verse 17. He said, open the window toward the east. I love the story. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram, for you will defeat the Arameans until you have destroyed them. Now look what happened here all of a sudden. All of a sudden, it's now the Lord's arrow of victory. Wait a minute, I thought this was Joash's bow and arrow. It was until I got sanctified. Sanctification is the biblical doctrine of separating something for its unique use by God. It's what Pastor Matt was talking about a moment ago. We sanctify the tithe. We set it apart so we can use it to build his kingdom, but also so we can bless our lives. Amen. All throughout the Bible, we see God sanctifying things so we can use them supernaturally. He tells Moses, who only has a stick in his hand with a little hook on the end that he uses to lead sheep. He says, throw it down the ground. Moses throws it down. It becomes a snake. God says, pick it up. It becomes a rod again. But this time, God says, now use it to open the Red Sea. Because it was no longer just the rod of Moses, it was the rod of God because it was sanctified by God. He sanctified the rock of David so an ordinary stone could bring down a nine foot nine giant. God sanctifies things when the spiritual is covering the physical. It was the spiritual covering Joash's bow and arrow that brought supernatural power. Why? Because like a quarterback handing off the football to a halfback, the ball was handed off to God. So now it was God's bow and arrow. It was God's battle. That's why we sang that song a moment ago. Thanks for changing that song and calling it audible halfway through the service of this day. The battle is the Lord's. Isn't that a great song? The battle is the Lord's. We, we sing that song, but what are we singing? The battle becomes the Lord's when the battle is sanctified. That is when the spiritual is covering the physical. It becomes the Lord's arrow of victory. The Lord's arrow of victory. Now, I want you to notice this. Joash, King Joash, what did he get from God? He just got a promise from God. The Lord's arrow of victory. That's a promise of victory, but it's also a promise of completion because the word said you will defeat the Arameans until you have completely destroyed them. How do you have a promise of completion before the battle is even completed? How can this be? Let me explain something to you about God. God is not waiting for stuff to happen. We are. Okay? Remember at the Exodus when Moses asked God, who should I tell Pharaoh sent me? And God said, just tell them that I am sent you. Or maybe a better translation is, tell them is, is sent you. 
Why? Well, God has no past. He can never say, I was. God has no future. He can never say, I will be. Everything for God, listen now, is present tense. Everything for God is present tense. When we get to heaven, it'll be the same way. The Bible says there is no night in heaven. There's nothing to separate the days. So everything for us in heaven will be right now in an eternal moment. That's hard for us to grasp because we live linearly. We live in something called history, right? We're, we're, we're waiting for things to happen in our life. But God is not waiting for things to happen. So follow me here in this story. Joash has not even gone into the battle. You have not even gone into your battle yet. But victory by God has been declared. God says it's the Lord's arrow of victory. Why? Because the natural has been covered by the spiritual. It's been sanctified. So God says you have the victory. But notice now, what God has promised is not yet Joash's reality. Because he lives in history. You will have victory. You will defeat Aram. That's a promise. But what God has promised has not yet arrived in history. Let me take one more shot at this, okay? God is not waiting for prophecy to happen. In the mind of God, whatever has been ordained to happen has already happened. God's already seen it because he lives in the eternal now. So we read the Bible and we say, okay, the end times, the rapture is going to take place, then the second coming of the Lord, and then the, the battle of Armageddon, and then we have the 1,000-year millennial rule of Jesus Christ, you know. But with God, all that is a now event. So God's not saying, boy, I hope all these things line up the way I plan them to line up, you know. He's not hoping and wishing because it's all a reality to him, Okay. Isaiah 46, 9 says, God declares the end from the beginning. In other words, he's been all the way to the end, and he comes back. That's how God rolls. So God is not waiting for the promise in your life. You are. Stay with me now. The reason why you should dream bigger, and you need to dream bigger, bigger than you can see, is because what God has ordained in his mind for your life has already occurred. Psalm 139 says that your life as a follower of Jesus has already been laid out, decreed from the end to the beginning. God starts at the end and works his way back. Okay, so I'm going somewhere. So this is going to really encourage you. With that information, let's go back to the story. We got the same bow and arrow now, but we have a different perspective. Look at verse 17. The Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram, for you will defeat the Arameans until you have destroyed them. That's the promise. God says you will wipe them out. You will wipe them out. Okay? Dreaming big for you means that you are saying, God, I am not going to settle for the way things currently are in my world. God, I'm not going to settle until I have everything that you've ordained for me to have. God does not ordain the same things for everybody. But what, but you, but what you have for me, I want it, God. Even though I can't see it right now. You promised it to me, even though I can't see it. Anybody here been to Paradise Island in Nassau, Bahamas? Anybody? You know, these beautiful resorts like Atlantis, beautiful white sandy beaches, beautiful turquoise green-blue water, just a great place. 
But did you know that place used to be called Pig Island? It's a garbage dump, a pigsty. Until a developer one day looked at it and said, there's more to this place than I'm currently seeing. And he saw something beyond the pigsty, and he developed it. And today, it's a major tourist attraction. Entrepreneurs do this all the time, but I'm, I'm talking about dreaming big spiritually. Until we learn to see further than we can see, then we will not be able to see or realize all there is to be seen, even though God has declared victory for us in our life. I look at this crowd today, and some of you are facing major challenges in your life. Some of you have kids that are breaking your heart. They're not serving the Lord. Some of you have a business that perhaps is running out of fuel. And it may look like an arum. It may look like the end. Some of you are facing health challenges and the doctors are giving you bad news. And it may look like the end to you. But friends, when you see a pigsty, you got to look beyond what you're seeing. Because if all you see is what you see, you're not seeing all there is to be seen. And what so many Christians are doing is bemoaning the fact that th things are, are challenging and tough rather than seeing beyond it and believing beyond it and dreaming bigger, dreaming bigger spiritually. I, I told the early crowd, Walt Disney's wife, after Walt Disney died, he never had the opportunity to see Disneyland or Disney World or Epcot Center. And they're giving his wife an award. And the person introducing her said, I just wish that, Miss, Miss Walt Disney, I wish that your husband was around to see all that we're seeing today. And she got up and took the microphone and said, oh, he saw it. That's why it's there. <laughs> Listen, dreaming bigger is when you see what God is doing before he does it. Then you watch him do it. As you walk in faith every single day. Another scripture says faith is speaking of things as though they were even though they are not yet. Faith is placing the spiritual as a priority above the physical. And not just asking God to kind of bless the physical. But to invade the physical. To change the physical. To completely alter it. So as we wrap, wrap this up today. King Joash now. He has got a promise of victory. Can you imagine King Joash if he were in church? Praise the Lord, pastor. He's able. Praise him. I've got the victory. That's what folks say all the time when they're, when they're in church and they hear a good word. You got, I've got the victory. They, they raise their hands and praise the Lord and they shout and they walk out and live in defeat. So evidently, just praising the Lord because the preacher says we have victory isn't enough. Because Elisha gave him the word. He said, you got the victory. The battle is the Lord's. He got the good word. You're going to wipe them out completely. He gives them one more thing to do. Now catch this. Verse 18. Then he said, take the arrows. He's got a quiver full of arrows. And he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. And he struck the ground three times and stopped. Everybody say, stopped. 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 So, Three times, and he stops. Verse 19, so the man of God was angry at him and said, you should have struck it five or six times. 
Then you would have struck Aram until you have destroyed it. But now you shall only strike Aram three times. Don't miss this final principle. This is the, this is the hinge on which the whole message swings right here. Here's the principle. God's promises for your future that have already been declared are in your reach. But they're not yet in your hand. God's promises are in your reach because if God said it, it's going to happen. God doesn't lie. If God said it, it's true, which means it's gettable. It's in your reach. But when he makes a promise to you while it's in your reach, it may, it may not be in your hand because he wants to see you walk by faith to go out and get it. He wants to see that you believe his word enough to go out and get it. He wants to see you act in sequence to arrive. And what the promise declared. So many people say amen to the victory promise. They still don't get the victory because they don't go out and get the promise that's within their reach, but not in their hand. You know, the Bible says that God feeds the birds, right? You believe that? God feeds the birds. When's the last time you saw a bird on a branch going like this? <laughs> You're never going to see that, right? Because even the bird knows that God promises to feed them, but the bird knows he's got to go out and find the worm that God promised to give to him. He wants to see movement. Joash takes three of the arrows and he shoots them. Get the picture. And the preacher is ticked off. Why? He says, King Joash, you're not taking God seriously. I said, shoot the arrows until you destroy them, which means you're going to use all your arrows, but you only went halfway. You're just playing games with God. You're just doing enough to make it look like you're serious. You're just giving the impression that you believe God and his promises, but you have not gone all the way. You have not given it your very best. You haven't gone for it spiritually. It's kind of like parents. We tell our kids, go clean your room. And they go in there and they make the bed, but leave all the clothes on the floor. Or they pick up all the clothes and they don't make the bed. Then they come out and they want full credit for the job they did. And you're ticked off. Why are you angry? They're saying, well, at least we did something. You're angry because they're just playing you. They're not taking you seriously. In other words, you're saying, finish the job. Do it all the way. What a lot of people do sometimes is, you know, not here to waken because I, I know you guys are so spiritual here, but at our church in Phoenix, you know, what they do is they love what the promise says. We have the victory. The battle is the Lord. He's my rock, my sword, my shield. He's my wheel in the middle of the wheel. He's so high, you can't get over him. He's so low, you can't get below him. He's so wide, you can't get around him. And they talk a good game, but they walk out of church and they want to go halfway with God, part of the way with God. They don't go all the way and they wonder if, why God hasn't come through for them. But he's looking for people who will go all the way with him. Jesus said, I've come to finish my father's work. I did it. I went all the way. The apostle Paul said, I've run the race. I finished my course. I ran to win the race. In other words, he completed the task. He didn't go halfway or partway. He went all the way. Elisha is ticked off. He says, Joash, you're not taking God seriously. You're just playing games with me. I have already just declared a full promise of complete victory, but you've given half a commitment. 
being half committed is like being half dead, half pregnant, and half married. Amen. It just doesn't work. Here's the problem with only going halfway for God. Ready? You've left the other half out there to come back at you. Right? Because once the other half that you didn't deal with reorganizes and remobilizes, they're going to come back as strong or stronger. I think sometimes because we didn't go all the way with God, we still have that thing out there that keeps popping up in our life. If the full commitment is not there, I'm not talking about perfection. You make mistakes. I made mistakes. That's why we need God's grace and forgiveness. Amen. But if, if the full commitment is not there, then the promises that are in your reach will never show up in your hand. Then people wonder if God is just messing with them. No, God's not messing with you. He just wants you to go all the way. But friends, look, we can delay our promises or even cancel our promises, not because God is not true, because we didn't go all the way, okay? My challenge to you today as Pastor Matt comes is for you to dream big spiritually, to see beyond what you're currently seeing. God has so many wonderful things in store for your future. And here's the deal. In God's eyes, they're already, they already are done. They're decreed. They're declared. He's looking for people today who will say, I believe that. And I will go all the way. I will start by putting Jesus Christ and his kingdom first above all else. And if you will do that, the stuff will come second. But he's looking for people today who will say, you know what? Today is my day. The weekend of Thanksgiving 2023 was the day that I marked in my spiritual calendar that I crossed that line. And I said, I want to put you and your kingdom first in my life in every area. And friends, when you do that, you begin to see all the things that God has planned for you begin to show up in your life in the natural. So I want to pray for you right now just before Pastor Matt comes. Father, we, we love you. We know you loved us. You love us. You have proven that by giving your son to us to die a horrible death on a cross. And Lord, I pray that today that we would all evaluate what that really means. You gave your life 100%. And you asked for a life for a life. You don't ask for 75% or 90% or 99%. 99% commitment to you is still 1% short. And Father, today, we just want to be the kind of people that, like your son Jesus said, I finished my father's work. I didn't go halfway. I went all the way. Let your presence fall upon this place now. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Let us deal with this today in a way that honors you because we love you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Awaken Church. Thanks for letting me share today. Come on, can we give a hand for Pastor Luke Barnett? Oh, come on, that was such a good word. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Luke. Take a seat real quick. You know, John 3.16, by the way, when the authors were being 
download it from the Holy Spirit to write the Bible. They didn't know there'd be numbers in there. We added the numbers of us find things. But John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave it all. Interesting, the same author, years later, getting the download for the last book of the Bible, Revelations, Revelations 3.16. This is the verse that I got saved to. And it resonates with me my whole life. And I believe some people, this is gonna be your moment. Revelations 3.16 says that, I know your deeds, you're neither hot nor cold. And he uses big words, he says, aggressive words, he says, because of that, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. Why? Because Jesus knows that he went all in for us. This, this thing doesn't work, as Pastor Luke said. It doesn't work at 99%. It works at you giving your whole life and laying it down in response to him giving his whole life. It's a full transaction. You give him everything. Not your perfection, not even your performance. In fact, that ain't ever gonna get you nowhere. He's not gonna say, now be perfect. And then you can kind of know, you actually give him, God, here's my mess. Here's my junk. I know I'm a sinner. I know I haven't lived up to your standard. I know I'm not dreaming the way you want me to dream. I give you that all. And he says, perfect, I'll take it all and I'll put it on the cross and I'll give you all of me. All my goodness, all my love, all my forgiveness, all my covering. And then the Bible says you become a son or a daughter of God and you can go boldly to the Father in heaven and say, Father, I wanna see your kingdom here and you're a child of God, that's the gospel. It has nothing to do with your performance, nothing. Don't hear me on this. He's not asking hot or cold by behavior. He's asking hot or cold in the heart. Do you belong to Jesus? So I'm gonna ask everyone to bow your head. If today you would say, like me, when I gave my life to Jesus, man, I'm not all in. I haven't given my whole life to Jesus. I haven't surrendered and put him in the driver's seat. Maybe you feel far from God. You go, man, it's time. Today's my day. I don't wanna strike the ground three times. I wanna go all the way and get everything that God has made a way for me to have through that cross. If that's you today, friend, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wanna include you in a prayer. So in a second, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. Once I see you, you can put it down. This is a moment, holy moment between you and God. Don't take this lightly. You're not saying I'll be perfect tomorrow. You're saying, God, I want you to be my King, my Lord, and my Savior. And I wanna give my whole life to you. Does that mean I'm gonna be a missionary in Africa? No, he has plans set aside for you. Maybe, but, but that'll be in your heart. But he begins to do his plans in your life. So if that's you today and you need to give your life to Jesus 100%, right now on the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand real quick. One, two, three. Thank you, I see that hand. Once I see in your hand, you can put down, thank you, I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Man, I feel far from God. I don't, I need to give my life to him fully. I feel like there's one person wrestling and this is what happened with me. I was wrestling because I went to church all the time. I grew up in church. Thank you, I see that hand. Come on. Anyone else? 
holy moment between you and God. Thank you. I see your hand. Come on. Such a holy moment. Awesome. You guys can all look up at me. Can we give a hand for those people that just raised their hand? I'm so proud of you. You are in a family of people that have done the same thing, and we are on a journey to grab everything God has for us. You've got a community here that wants to be in your world. We've got connect groups. We've got people that you don't do this alone. This isn't the finish line. This is the starting point. Let's all stand to our feet. If you raised your hand today, we're going to pray a prayer all together out loud for those of you who have already believers. You can pray it out loud with them just so they don't feel alone. But we're going to pray this prayer real quick and then we're going to dismiss service. So pray with me. Dear Jesus, this morning, the week of Thanksgiving, I surrender to your love and I give my whole life to you. I believe that you died on that cross for my sins and because you paid that price, I am now a child of God. I repent of my sins. I give you my life. Come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I thank you that today, heaven is my home. I'm a child of God. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.